Yeah, this is going to be different. Yeah. Been a while since we've done one of these. Yeah, big super episode. Still mad at your internet, but uh, it was more fun than I expected. Yeah. It's uh, good to catch up with something like this every once in a while. Yeah, we uh, we realize how little Shyamalan we've done, which, mm-hmm. uh, again, I'm with you, Dustin. I'm kind of surprised that we've only done The Village. Yeah, I, I, I'm yeah shocked. Just utterly shocked. But uh, we're going to do three of these, because welcome again to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where we gather around a table and we discuss the films you'll never discuss in a film today's course, and that's probably still true with yep. this Unbreakable Trilogy. Is that the name official? I don't. Uh, I've seen it marketed, especially at Walmart, as the East Rail 177 Trilogy. Yep. Uh, which is the name of the the train uh, that goes off the tracks in Unbreakable. Spoiler alert, it comes back to have uh, import in glass. So yeah, that that is the uh, the kind of the chosen moniker for this franchise. Yeah, but I think Unbreakable Trilogy works, or the Glass Trilogy, however you want to The Shyamalan Trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Shyamalan Superhero-verse. Yeah, I don't yeah. Know. yeah. So, but anyway, we're going to be talking about Unbreakable, Split, and Glass. Unbreakable, Split, Glass. Available at your local hardware store. Yes, Unbreakable, Split, Glass. Um, it's very, very safe because it only splits directly down the middle when it breaks. And so it makes two rigs of sharp pieces on which you can, you know, chop yourself in half. Yeah. So, um, available to you only at Lowe's. It's going to uh, be a weird episode. Uh, yeah, so, hey, I'm still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. I am still Dalton. And if you're tuning in for the very first time to the Good Trash Genre cast, we need to warn you, uh, we do not play that spoiler avoidance game because this is an re- analysis show, not a review show. You could not possibly talk about Glass without spoiling it. No, I don't think so. Yeah. It wouldn't be worth doing, honestly. So if you have not seen these, and I would dare say knowing the uh, twist does not diminish your enjoyment in any way. I think it will help you be prepared for a, a, a difficult-to-swallow movie, honestly. Though, Unbreakable, 20-year-old film, um, the, the twist in it is a lot of fun. So if you haven't seen Unbreakable, I don't know. Um, make your own decisions, I suppose. Just know that once we get out of our review territory, we're off to the races, bud. We're not going to... We're not going to soft pedal this so um there you go uh you have been warned let's hear a synopsis are you gonna synopsize the entire trilogy in toto i'm gonna do my best all right it's primarily focused on the first two entries okay but yeah we ready all right let's hear it all right hot off the heels of his sophomore feature the sixth sense m night Shyamalan hit 2000 with his take on a comic book film unbreakable reunited Shyamalan with bruce willis willis stars as david dunn a security guard and family man on the brink of leaving his wife and son in philadelphia After a tragic train accident, David Dunn walks away as the only survivor with no scratches or injuries. Perplexed by his survival, Dunn soon encounters Elijah Price. Price, who suffers from a rare genetic disorder that causes his bones to be brittle, believes that Dunn is a real-life superhero, believing comic books to be modern extensions and existential grapplings with humans who have unexplainable gifts. After several more uh, occurrences, Dunn believes Price might be onto something. Dunn takes down a murderer in the film's climactic moment and realizes the extent of his abilities. He meets with Price again and reveals he was right all along. Upon shaking Price's hand, David Dunn realizes that Elijah Price had orchestrated the train accident along with several other uh, terrorist events in hopes of finding a superior being. Sixteen years later, in Split, a group of girls are abducted and held by a man named Dennis. Dennis torments them in his underground lair, The girls soon realize that Dennis suffers from a dissociative disorder, and he believes himself to have multiple unique personalities living in his body, including a fashion designer, a prim and proper lady, a nine-year-old, and 20 others, etc. The personalities behind referring (laughs) to an added personality, the Beast, 
who will unleash suffering on the earth. One girl, Casey, is able to break through to Dennis' true personality and escapes. She is chased further into the dungeons by the beast, who in turn lets her go, citing her heart is pure. Dennis escapes and goes on the run. In a final moment, it's revealed that Dennis lives in Philadelphia, and David Dunn is aware of his existence. Picking up three weeks later, we get Glass, which sees David Dunn tracking the now-titled Horde uh, that is uh, the Dennis uh, James McAvoy character. Uh, he encounters him in a abandoned brick factory, saves some girls, uh, but their battle ultimately leads to them being captured uh, and sent to an institution. There they are reunited with... The man now calling himself Mr. Glass, first name Mr., last name Glass, uh, Elijah Price. Uh, and then things get wild. Yeah, then Sarah Paulson shows up, and buddy, are we having a time? Something else, yes, indeed. So there you go. That's the synopsis. Um, let's do this for reviews. Let's let's review each film individually. Okay. And, and you know, I, I think in the past we've done the trilogies as holes. But uh, let's save uh, trilogy as a whole, maybe to the, our discussion of glass a little bit, okay? And how that works. So let's just talk about Unbreakable first. What do you say, Arthur? Do you like Unbreakable? I uh, love Unbreakable, um, and I was surprised. You know, it was it's been a long time since I'd seen it, and I had remembered not being too warm on it initially. Um, because it wasn't what I had expected, I think, when I first saw it, you know, uh, being billed as this comic book movie with superheroes, I was expecting something much different. And Shyamalan... Uh, More spandex. Yeah. Uh, especially, you know, I mean, the year 2000 is notable because we're, I believe, off of the hills of Spider-Man and we're getting the introduction of the X-Men uh, onto live action screen. So it's really interesting that this movie lands really at the giant launching point of this modern superhero cycle that we're in. Um, and so going back to look at this, it, it's fascinating because this is a very toned down, quiet character study uh, about a man who's kind of at, at a crossroads in his life. You know, he's uh, about to leave his family and we don't really know the reasons why, except that he's not completely fulfilled. You know, he kind of cuts himself off from his son and from his wife um, and, and that's really the movie that we get. We get this guy grappling with his purpose. And, and I think that's really the theme that we're going to explore through this trilogy is, is finding your purpose. Uh, and for David Dunn, he's unfulfilled. He's planning to take a job in New York, possibly uh, leaving Philadelphia. And Shyamalan does a great job of constructing this quiet, thoughtful character study framed against a superhero narrative. Um, and it, it works. It works so well. Um, the, the way he establishes tension and, and is able to ratchet that up as the film progresses, uh, the performances from Bruce Willis, from Sam Jackson, from Robin Wright Penn, um, are, are all on point, all on the money, and, and really elevate that the film to an, another level. And, and it's already soaring pretty high. But I, I think the script is really strong, um, and, and I love the way it's shot. It's got these cooler colors. It's kind of muted, uh, which really adds to the impact when Shyamalan does use color, which is so important in a lot of his films, but specifically Unbreakable, uh, where that, that color symbolizes quite a bit. And so... Um, 
I, I, yeah, I, I'm a huge, huge fan and proponent of this film now. And I'm glad we got to kind of explore this and cause I'd been hesitant to rewatch it. And so I, I'm excited we took it up. Um, the, and, and tension, you know, the, the, the gun scene. Uh, oh boy. Yeah. But also the scene where glass, uh, Elijah Price falls down the stairs chasing the, <sighs> that is so the guy upsetting. from the stadium. Each little crack resonates so well. And, and a lot of that is sound design. A lot of that's editing. Um, and it's just a culmination of constructing this very impactful and painful moment where you really feel uh, for Elijah Price. And, and Jackson brings so much empathy. And uh, we're going to do a bonus show where we talk about our, our top three Shyamalan films for the Patreon. And one of the things Dalton noted there is is the um, the very physically vulnerable performance that, that uh, Jackson gives here. And, and it's so good to see him doing this he's he's weakened he's you know he's got a limp and then he's in a wheelchair and he still has so much charisma to make it work and it's good to see him doing that and so um i i, I like it quite a bit i i like these quiet moments there's a lot of good humor when uh when they're lifting weights in the gym it's so it's good so well put together i love it's, that sequence you know um you know, what how much did you take off I, I lied. <laughs> and who doesn't look at the bar when you're putting weight on? It's it's one of those moments where Shyamalan has a character acting a way no human being would ever act, and for some reason, the way the scene is shot, like totally sucks you in. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's the kid trying to kill his dad. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's and that's kind of a, a thread that's played because his kid is all in on this concept that his father is a superhero. No one looks at. No one lifts a weight without looking at it first. Yeah. It's just absurd. But yeah, you, the two of them have such a good back and forth. You're right, Arthur. Like, you see that the, the Spencer. I, I can't think of his name. It's Spencer something. Yeah. Yeah. But he, yeah, he just has this look in his eyes of like, yeah, you can do it, Dad. Yeah, yeah it uh, works. He's, yeah, he's so enamored with his father. And those moments, uh, you know, where he's talking about how good his dad is a football player and he wants his dad to come play football. I mean, there's a lot of these kind of like very endearing moments between them and these kind of quiet moments in the film really. Uh, I think flourishes in those quieter moments when these characters are just interacting. When uh, when Willis and Robin Wright go out to have drinks mm, and they have mm-hmm. like this quote unquote first date as they're trying to patch things up, and uh, it's it's just a beautiful little piece. And and there's so much of uh, just letting things reveal themselves uh, in in the design and and the look of the film. Um, yeah, I, I'm very appreciative of this movie. All right, all right. Well, what do you say, Mr. Arthur Gordon? Mr. Arthur Gordon just said uh, it. I really like Unbreakable. <laughs> I, man, it's a master class. Oh, no. All right, all right, all right. Uh, Mr. Dalton Stewart, what do you say? Do you like Unbreakable? I do. I, I like it quite a bit. It's really hard for me to separate Unbreakable from the superhero cycle that we've been, you know, as Arthur mentioned. It kind of starts it, and again, I'm sure we'll talk about this in a little bit later, but Glass existing where it does in terms of coming out the same year as Endgame. Uh, Unbreakable coming out the same year as X-Men. It is really interesting. Um, I don't... I don't like it as much as I used to. And I, I'm not quite sure why that is. I, I think it, there's something so quaint uh, about the that it just expects its audience to know nothing about superheroes, which I think even in the year 2000 is just an absurd idea that the audience wouldn't know exactly what a comic book is and exactly what a superhero is. But it's it's interesting to watch Shyamalan feel like he has to sell the audience on the idea of of, of comic books. Um, earlier this year, uh, the Next Picture Show podcast uh, paired Glass and Unbreakable, uh, and they mentioned that 
that title card at the beginning of the film explaining what comic books are, uh, which is an entirely inaccurate, even at the time, set of numbers and figures. Uh, but it's just, it's so quaint and cute and silly. And I think also is important because it sustains the film for so long because it's a very long time before anything directly superhuman happens. I mean, there's the miraculous survival of David Dunn, but the direct acknowledgement of superhuman uh, or uh, beyond the ordinary things happening. Uh, so again, while it's quaint and weird, I think it's super important to the film working, but Again, it it is difficult for me to separate those things um, because they they seem so tied to each other. I mean, I don't I don't know that we get Batman Begins without this movie. This film really sells the idea of a grounded superhero um, in in a way that film just hadn't really gotten to yet. I, I think we've really tried a lot since the year two thousand to bring darker superheroes, whether that's you know something like Deadpool or whether it's something like um, Super. Uh, from James Gunn, uh, we, we've tried to do these darker superheroes regardless of tone, but Unbreakable is doing these darker superheroes in a way that's just so grounded and, as you mentioned, Arthur, rooted in the human drama, whether it's the weightlifting scene or the scene with the gun or that first date. Like, all of those scenes really add up to a pretty remarkable film to me. Uh, so while I don't like it as much as I used to, I do think it's firing pretty much in all cylinders, with the exception of that post-credits, which I absolutely despise uh i talked about a little bit on our patreon bonus content but yeah i really don't care for that postscript at the end of the movie explaining what happens after uh the events of the film i guess we'll we'll leave it at that for now but uh yeah i'm I'm a fan overall for sure Alrighty, well i am too i really like the movie and this is my first time ever to see it uh watching it for this show and uh, i was telling you guys off mic um i had Got in, you know, buckled up, started watching the movie, and um, there's a habit of the mind that I have when I'm watching Shyamalan, and that is I am playing the game. This is the guy that does the twisty thing, so I'm going to try to find what the twist may be. I'm trying to anticipate the plot a little bit more actively than you ordinarily would do watching a movie. And I sort of just forgot who I was watching. And so I'm just I'm, I'm watching this superhero movie. That's what it's touted as. And I begin being taken in by it because I'm I'm thinking to myself, this is just a family drama. This is just a great story uh, about you know Bruce Willis is a family man who's distant from his wife and from his son, and he's trying to reclaim that relationship. And that's and there happens to be also this sort of superhero subplot, but it becomes less and less important overall as I'm watching it. And I'm I'm just enjoying this movie. And then as we get into that third act, and we come to realize that uh, there is uh, something else going on, that it is a bit more superhero, and he does, um, you know, begin to begin to be the the Green Avenger or whatever his you know stupid code date ends up becoming. I forget now. The Green Watcher. Um, as the he, Overseer. Is it, is it the Overseer? That's what it is in class. I don't think they mention it until Glass, though. Yeah. Isn't that just the Slave Master? Anyway, I uh, thought about that. Yeah. Uh, gross. Uh, so anyway. That stuff is is very, very secondary. But when the big twist finally happens, when there is the handshake between Sam Jackson and Bruce Willis, and it's revealed that Sam Jackson has been the supervillain the whole time. There you have it. We uh, are now in spoiler I, territory. I don't care. Yeah, I yeah. laid it out in the synopsis. Yeah, he gets yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, we already said that. Um, I, I wasn't ready. 
I just I just wasn't playing that game. And so they shake hands, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I did not see that coming. I had forgotten just how many nuggets they give you to imply that Sam Jackson's a villain early right. in the film on this rewatch, uh, especially his mom talking about how uh, the villain that the hero must battle with his mind is always the greatest villain. Yeah. Like, there's a ton of, and even earlier in the film, there's a few, I mean, if I, you know what's coming. I think I did anticipate that perhaps he's going to end up being a bad guy, that they're going to be having a falling out. But I did not expect that he was the guy that orchestrates all of these terrorist attacks in order to find somebody who's invulnerable. That is not what I was expecting at all. And uh, so, anyway, uh, just blown away by that. And uh, it was very, very fun. Um, I didn't hate the post-scene credits uh, or the post-scene little, uh, you know, uh, out out card or whatever. um, Because I'm like, okay, well, I mean, this movie's over and it's going to be done and this guy goes to jail. He goes to Arkham Asylum. Okay, fair enough. You know, that's what happens to the baddies when they do these kind of things. And it did just seem kind of grounded real world. He goes to jail forever and – or – an institution forever, and Bruce Willis goes on with his life. Seems plausible, right? And so, I mean, I didn't need it necessarily, but it made sense. And so I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. Uh, so I didn't have the same reaction there uh, with that. But yeah, I really enjoyed all the performances, really just enjoyed the way it shot. I enjoyed the tension. Um, I think uh, Shyamalan demonstrates himself to be really Hitchcockian in the way he does tension. And as a big fan of Hitchcock already, that works for me on crazy levels. So I was I was all in. And uh, so, yeah, definitely, definitely enjoyed Unbreakable quite a bit for the first time watch. So moving on to Split. Yeah, what do you think about it? So, uh, yeah, what do you think about Split? I'm going to go to you first, Arthur Gordon. What say you? Um, so I, I was really surprised because Split was the one I was probably looking forward to the most. I saw it, I guess... It was on HBO a couple of years ago. I don't remember. And I, I had watched it on streaming and uh, I really dug it. I, I, I really enjoyed it. And um, the rewatch really did not land at all for me. I really? Mean, yeah. I, and I think it's because in that initial watch, I was so captivated by the film's greatest strength, which is James McAvoy. That performance that James McAvoy delivers where he incredibly constructs multiple characters and performs them different voices different inflections different dialects different physical mannerisms and lands every one of them without coming off as silly or or you know goofy like there's still this level of menace with each one of them and knowing that he could convert to another character at any moment and completely raise the stakes he's gold every every second of him being on film is just you know a, a actor working at another level and, and i really appreciate his performance and likewise i th- i think anya taylor joy is just a mm-hmm. wonderful on-screen presence she's, she's so, so good, good here uh I, I love watching her career from you know the witch and uh thoroughbreds to seeing her in in split she's very good and she's kind of crafting herself as this almost modern scream queen in a lot of ways and and she does a great job here um but I, I just find the the plotting of the film very confusing. Um, these kind of random flashbacks that we get of Anya's character um, with her childhood and kind of the, the demons that she's faced in her life and the way that's worked into the script. And it's kind of confusing because I'm never really sure if it's supposed to be her movie, if it's supposed to be McAvoy's movie. And that's you know kind of the confusion because it really is McAvoy's movie. I mean, it is really this kind of, villain origin thing right 
Um, but they give her so much that it really feels confused into which direction it wants to go. And then that coupled with the subplot of his psychiatrist who really exists to just give us these huge expositionary drops of what's really going on, how this is operating. Uh, it really took it out of me this time. And so I, I was really sad because I, I was just struggling to get through it this time around. And so, um, I think it needs to be seen because McAvoy is just so good, uh, just on another level. Um, and I, I don't mind, you know, the transformation into the beast. I, I think it works. Uh, and it does work more. You know, we talked about this some on the bonus thing as, as a knowing where this is going and what this is supposed to be. It works a lot better. Uh, the David Dunn reveal works a lot better because the first time I watched it, I'm like, this is, this is just weird. Like this. Oh, same. I really, did not care for it. The but there's time. a lot of dialogue that mainly the psychiatrist has throughout the film that's really setting this up to be part of the unbreakable world. And so on the rewatch, I, I could point those things out a little better that this does feel a lot more intentional than my initial watch led me to believe. But um, I don't know. I, 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 I might have to give it another watch to try and kind of parse it out. But for me, this time around, it just... It, it was a lot of misfiring, uh, and mm. it's mostly it was plotting and pacing that really brought it down. Uh, and I don't know if that's just because of how much I enjoyed watching McAvoy and, and Anya Taylor Joy go back and forth, or if it was just kind of some rough scripting. And, and I feel like it's the other end of the spectrum in in response to Unbreakable because Unbreakable is so quiet and doesn't tell you that much. It doesn't give you all these. I mean, there's a few with, with Price's character with Elijah, um, but it feels more natural than just kind of forcing the subplot in here of the psychiatrist who's showing up every once in a while to give us things. She gives this presentation on uh, dissociative disorders and things of that nature. And, and so I, I just don't think it works as well on that level. Um, so it's, it's a lot more middling for me this time around. Alrighty, well, thank you for that, Mr. Arthur Grom. What do you think about Split um, on your second or third watch? Uh, I'm with Arthur. Uh, I think the performances really bolster this movie. I I think Anya Taylor-Joy is the thing that keeps this movie going. Um, I, I like those flashbacks. Arthur, for me, I, I, again, much like Unbreakable, this film really is firmly in two POVs. And I think the camera does a really great job early in the film establishing for, for the audience that this is going to be for multiple POVs. We get a lot of Casey, Annie Taylor-Joy's character. Um, we get you know a lot of shots of her looking at things, a lot of shots of what she's looking at, and then the introduction of uh, James McAvoy's uh, Kevin happens in from his POV walking up to their car. So I think the film, just using the camera, does a good job of saying, this is about both of these people. And I think the slow reveal, as soon as they get into danger and Casey is reacting so differently uh, than Haley Lou Richardson's character. And I, I don't know the other actress uh, that, that plays the third uh, girl, uh, but, but she reacts so differently and immediately gives this, this advice of pee on yourself. It's like, Oh, okay. Casey's seen some shit. And so as soon as the flashbacks start, you go for me as a viewer, I, I immediately go, okay, we're, we're learning like what Casey has experienced, why she is handling this danger with a much more level head. I struggled both on my first watch when I saw this in theaters and on this watch with 
the way that those flashbacks are handled. I, I, I get what you're saying, Arthur, that um, you, you feel like they're not integrated into the film well. I actually feel like they're really well integrated into the film in terms of when the film chooses to parse those things out to us. We are given more information about Casey's background as we need it, and I, I think it's done really effectively. Um, I went back and forth on the necessity of what the film chooses to show and whether or not it goes a little too gross. But for me, that actually works. I, I think the depiction of sexual trauma in this film is tasteful while showing you the exact extent that you, that you need to know. I think that it's treatment of uh, mental illness is much, much worse and uh, really takes me out of it. I think um, because dissociative identity disorder is, such a easy to sensationalize disorder. It's something that we show in the media a lot and it's something that the uh, community of mental health providers and mental health care patients, um, there's a lot of issues with DID and a lot of people who study it and have it don't like this movie and the things that I read about their feelings on it really cemented for me that uh, I think it's in poor taste. I really do, especially once we know where the film is going. Especially when we, I think the superhero stuff, the super heroics, the super villainy, I, I think should maybe make us care less. But it honestly makes me care a little bit more, I guess, if that makes sense. Like once once the fantasy world entreats on this seemingly grounded horror story, um, I, I think it, it really turns things on its head in a way that happens on Unbreakable, but it is just less palatable for me, I guess. But uh, I like it overall. I think it's a really tight thriller. I think it's really competently made. As we've said, I think all the performances are good. I think this movie has gaze problems for days. Yes, it does. Uh, just icky. Well, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, yeah, I'm with Arthur. I'm much more middling. Uh, but I think it is a really tight thriller. I think it's extremely well made, and I, I do appreciate a lot about it. Uh, going back to your point on point of view, uh, one of the things I really appreciated about this film, I don't know if you picked it up, uh, but that introduction of Kevin, uh, of McAvoy's character in the car, mm-hmm. uh, the way Shyamalan's shooting that with this kind of swinging camera back and yeah, forth. like somebody's walking. Well, it imitates the shot of Bruce Willis on the train when he's talking Whoa, to you're right. the girl. The way the camera moves back and forth between the seats to yeah. show the conversation. Uh, we're getting that same thing as uh, Anya Taylor-Joy is trying to figure out what's going on in the rearview mirrors. Yeah, uh, and I thought that was a really cool uh, little bit of, uh, I guess, synergy or, or mm-hmm. you know, something. well, especially because it's framed from the POV of a child seeing a, a grown-up act badly in Unbreakable, and we kind of have a similar thing in Split. Yeah, you're right, Arthur. Dustin, what about you? You actually really like this. I right? really do like it, and I mean, the, the thematic problems we're going to get into, yeah. you know, and I mean, this is not going to be the first time on the show where I'm like, I really, really like this movie, and I hate many, many things about what it suggests ideologically. And uh, this is definitely in that category. Um, but I have to say, as a thriller and a first-time watch uh, for me watching the – so I, I'd be interested to see what my second viewings uh, would produce. I thought it was perfect. I thought it was just very, very well-paced. I thought it was uh, – the tension and the fear that I felt throughout wanting to know, uh, is is Dennis going to show up at random uh, when uh, we have these – sort of, well, it turns out to be it is Dennis that's showing up uh, when he visits his psychiatrist uh, pretending to be the fact designer um the all of those kinds of moments 
and watching this insane performance um, from uh, James McAvoy, it, I just loved it. Loved every bit of it. Casey um, loved that character and uh, her strength and her resourcefulness. And then there's a weird sort of aesthetic thing that's going on as well. I, I talked about on the uh, on the Patreon content how uh, this movie is like Psycho meets Red Dragon, but it's also got bits of Hannibal in its aesthetic as well. All of those, um, whatever that first killer's name that um, Will Graham kills in Hannibal, um, the guy that's the Shrike. Um, but all those scenes of him and his daughter out hunting, there's a real sort of aesthetic cue that is taking from Hannibal there mm. as well. And there's a reference uh, at one point if something were to happen to her, who would take care of uh, uh, Dennis um, slash Kevin slash whatever uh, with all these characters. Um, it's some um, some psychiatrist in Baltimore. And oh, dang, yeah. yeah, I felt a very, very strong kind of Hannibal Lecter world connection going on uh, with that. And I'm like, and I enjoyed that. And, and the becoming of the beast is the becoming of uh, the dollar hide uh, red dragon. Well, and I think it, it's really interesting. We, we talked a lot about how Unbreakable finds a superhero movie in this family drama. I think it does do a really good job of finding the supervillain movie in this regular horror story. Like yeah. this, this monstrous... Uh, extra human uh horror story in this very grounded horror i i think thematically or i guess at least tonally there is a through line with unbreakable i think is really clear Mm -hmm. yeah and then and i was watching it expecting it to end up connecting to the universe i knew that yeah you knew that was part of it so i was as i'm watching it i'm going you know i don't know if i would love this sort of supernatural sort of superhero thing that's about to happen that as it begins to happen the revelation of the beast I don't know that I would have loved it as much not knowing. I don't know that I would have loved the Bruce Willis cameo at the end not knowing. But since I did know all that was going to happen anyway, I was sort of all in for it anyway. Yeah, it's, so, it sat a lot better with me on this watch. Yeah, so in that sense, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, but what it says about trauma, what it says about mental health, um, there are things in which it, by daring to go there, there's a certain courage that's there. But there's also the sort of standard Hollywood sens- sensationalization that happens that is a bit gross. And a, a certain theme that I see sometimes occurring in these kinds of films that is, um, well, frankly, just incorrect. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that when we ever get to analysis uh, with it. But that being said, um, I, I found it as just a, a, a th- experience of a thriller really good, really solid. And uh, as as skin crawlingly horrible as anything yeah. um, I could have experienced and so it, it, it's, it's it's one of the movies that's, that has scared me the most in, in recent watches uh, personally and so uh, yeah uh, for that reason I like it a whole bunch um, despite all those other sort of ideological reservations well let's talk about Glass then huh yeah Glass is the last one um, it, it ha- it's the one that is most last, most it, recent. It is the most um, next uh, yep. of those movies so uh, Glass review Arthur what do you say um, I think first I would say I was expecting something much more of a train wreck of a film. And, and yeah, you from the way it was kind of you've got to spend several months sitting in the reaction to this movie. Yeah, I didn't get to see it in theaters, but I, I, I saw a lot of those reactions of like it was very divisive, and and that's always interesting to me when a film is you know when a film's in the like fifty to sixty percent, and I think this is lower than that range on the tomato meter though. This kind of really divided response to a film, you know. King of the Monsters is another one. Yeah. Um, it's kind of gotten that response. It's always interesting to me to kind of see where I will land or you know, what it's doing. Because sometimes it's just something very antagonizing like Mother. Where, you know, but then something like this is 
uh, fascinating because some people just really love what Shyamalan's doing or some people are very anti. And so I was wondering, and, and so I kind of had these expectations. This was just, just going to be a train wreck of a film. And I don't think it is that. I, I do think it is mostly well-constructed insofar as the way everything kind of comes together. And the reintroduction of David Dunn and his son, and I like seeing them. It's been 20 years, and they've lived this life. And uh, I'm so glad they got the same actor for the son. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a great beat. Spencer Treat Clark, by the way. I looked his there name up. Yeah, uh, and he does such a good job here as well as the son who's uh, – Trying to just help his dad. He is, um, yeah, very, very much owned and accepted his mantle of guy in the chair. Yeah, I, I love that bit, you know, thinking of Spider-Man Homecoming where uh, Ned talks about that. Um, and it's a great dynamic and at least some funny bits. And uh, David Dunn kind of on this obsessed mission, you know, he mentions the police are kind of amping up their search for him. And so uh, to see him just kind of threading this this needle of being a vigilante and and using his powers for good knowing what it could cost him and uh, i i think is a very interesting dynamic that feels much like it would if it came out of unbreakable like it feels yeah. very in line with that that tone in those characters um and then the reintroduction of of, of mcavoy here uh, again trying to kidnap people and kind of operate in that modus operandi that et cetera. he has yeah, etc. Et um, Hedwig is 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 a treat of a character. It's great, uh, but um, I don't I don't know that where my expectations landed or what or my viewing experience, but it just felt kind of flat to me, and just that I wasn't particularly interested in the way this film goes. I, I think it starts pretty pretty strongly, but once they're all in the institution, I'm just a bit. Not with it. I, I I don't know. It's just it's it's cool. Um, I, I think there's some good beats. I, I think Jackson's escape, uh, where he's playing the system, mm-hmm. and you know, hey, your your photo frames are a little crooked, and then he gets out. I think those things are well orchestrated, and, and I think that's kind of fun. Um, and Sarah Paulson's very good. I, I I'm glad to see her get some to do some work. I I really enjoyed her on the early seasons of American Horror Story, and kind of got to know her there. And I I think she is very good at being bad or you know, evil and, and in such a sense here. And, yeah, nefarious in a way that's yeah. hard to clock. Yeah, and never quite know what her the wholesome are. nefariousness. Yeah, you're not quite yeah. sure what her intentions are and she's she does that well. She plays it close to the vest and I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, and I, I don't think it was like a marketing thing. Like I don't know that I was ever sold on one thing or the other. Um, but I, I, I feel like once they get to the institution it just kind of falls blandly I, I you know it's not like a mess it's just i'm not really interested in, in what's happening anymore uh and then we get to the end which is i think a fascinating way to play it in, in, in 2019 um and to see it but i was kind of confused on some stuff like the, yeah, we might have to parse through the logistics yeah, of this i was uh, just i'm still not entirely sure i don't know if i just missed something or Mostly in regards to this secret organization. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's... I was kind of confused of and at a bit. loss. I, I appreciate how they handle the three main characters, and I don't want to get too much into that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate how those stories kind of tie together in the end of this film. Um, but I was just a bit lost on some other bits of the world that we're living in now. Mm-hmm. Um 
and I'm sure we're going to get into this, but parallels with like Endgame, which we've talked about off air, of you know that being this giant, and just look. I rewatched Apocalypse a few days ago. Oh no, no, I'm so sorry. And uh, and just in the slate of action superhero movies, where every third act has to end with a city being destroyed, and this grandiose fight sequence outside of Doctor Strange, which is one of the few where mm-hmm. that gets set up, but then it's just talking, talking for 20 minutes and nothing happens, which I appreciate. I, I, I don't want to brush that off because I really appreciate that ending in, in Doctor Strange. Um, but for every other comic book movie or superhero movie to end in this third act, 45-minute destruction of a city where everything plays like white noise uh, to kind of get this more, much more grounded battle. An ending that feels in line with Unbreakable. Yes, and I think that's where it succeeds, and it nails some of those components because what I've always appreciated is this is David Dunn getting these powers is very sincere, very honest, and very realistic reaction to probably how you would feel. You'd be very confused. You wouldn't really believe it. And, and superheroes are so quick to get these powers. You think of Spider-Man, whether it's Tobey Maguire, or Garfield, or Tom Holland. They get these powers, and they're just off to the races. You know, they've got to learn a few things about responsibility, but they're just, let's go. You know, but David Dunn doesn't want to believe it, doesn't buy it, and thinks it's just utter nonsense. Um and so for that grounded reality to be at play here and through this ending and finale of Glass, I think is a fascinating move. And I really appreciate it in, uh, you know, adjacent to these superhero films that we've just been hit with for 20 years now. Um, and so, you know, overall, very just, I don't know. I'd like to give it a rewatch. I really would. Uh, but on the first one, I'm just kind of, eh. You know, it, it's it's got some great ideas, I think, like a lot of Shyamalan's yeah. work. It's got some really interesting concepts. I just don't think it it, it nails the parts. You know, the, the sometimes the uh, sum is greater than the whole, and, and this is not one of those instances. Fair enough, fair enough. Thank you very much, Mr. Arthur Gordon. What do you say, Dalton Stewart? Do you like Glass? Yeah, I, I have similarly mixed feelings. I, I really like the choice to go the Thor Ragnarok route of making a sequel where you, within the first act, fast forward through the sequel you thought you were getting. Because split in setting up, oh, hey, Bruce Willis, uh, the Bruce Willis character from Unbreakable is going to fight the James McAvoy character. That's cool. And it gives you that movie within 20, 30 minutes. I mean, very quickly it dispenses with that. And then we're on to something else. But as Arthur said, we then spend over an hour in this mental hospital watching Sarah Paulson gaslight these three characters. And we just watched the two of them have a superhuman fight. And so it, it steals the film's ability to trick you. The film can't gaslight you. You have been shown a fight happening. Too much. You've been yeah. shown too much. And it wasn't shot through either of their POVs in any like real concrete way. You're kind of there as a fly on the wall watching the fight. Exactly, Arthur. James McAvoy crawls on yeah. the ceiling. They bend metal and bust through concrete. And yeah, we've, we've seen too much already for us to be fooled. And I think... Uh, I'm curious what you guys think about this. Is Bruce Willis good in this movie? Because I've heard both opinions. I've heard him... His as- performance? Yeah, I've heard people say he's asleep at the wheel, and other people say he's good. I think he's good. I think he's there. I mean, I don't think it's, like, unbreakable levels, but I don't think he's asked to be at that level, What's though. He, yeah, well, I mean, I really, don't think he's what got the material. He carry? Yeah. It's not really his movie. He's a supporting character in it. I mean, I think he's delivering what he needs to deliver. I, yeah. I, it's not, like, a bad performance, but I don't think he's... I, I I don't think it's his fault. Yeah, I, I think it's just he doesn't have material to really yeah 
delve into. He sells the idea that he's being convinced a little bit, I think, right? I think he, he does a good job of selling uh, that he's he's pretty convinced that he maybe he not he, he never had superpowers and I, I think he sells kind of working on him yeah. yeah because I I think it brings back that idea that David Dunn doesn't want to believe this because yeah. it breaks the rules yeah. of the world he has to believe something unbelievable um, I also think it's just interesting to have Sam Jackson be the protagonist of this film in a lot of ways mm-hmm. to be the villain and still get to come out on the side of right I think is interesting the film has a lot of empathy for all three of its leads, uh, for uh, Glass and the Horde or the Beast or Kevin Crumb, whatever you want to call a, uh, McAvoy's character, uh, and David Dunn. It has so much empathy for all three of these characters that it doesn't want to make any of them the bad guy, even though James McAvoy is kidnapping, murdering, and eating young women, which is an interesting choice. And again, I think this film is thematically, I think, a lot richer and more consistent than Split, but it's just dramatically not as interesting. It's kind of boring. It's a bit of a slog. And then when you finally get to where it's going, it asks you to make this pretty wild leap in terms of being a different film than you thought you were watching. Not in the way of you know, revealing that McAvoy does have superpowers and Split or revealing that Elijah Price is the villain of Unbreakable. Asking you to accept in the last 15 minutes of the movie that there's a secret society bent on keeping the existence of superheroes coming to existence is really cool and should have been probably at least another 30 minutes of the movie. So yeah, just dramatically falls flat. Having David Dunn drowned to death in a puddle is a weird call that I think is ballsy. But as you said with Split, Dustin, when you make a really bold choice, it really invites bold criticism. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a weird call. And I'm, I'm with you, Arthur, still... Don't really know how I feel about this movie other than I like it the least, but I am fascinated by it. So very good. Very good. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. My review of uh, Glass is the exact opposite of Split. Split is a movie that I find to be thoroughly entertaining as a piece of cinema, though ideologically really, really troubling. Glass, I find ideologically, thematically Fascinating. I mean, really, yeah. really fascinating and boring. That's yeah. Okay, so we're kind of in the same yeah, spot. Totally in the same. It, it, it's just I don't care. I like that first twenty minutes a lot. Yeah, I I just don't care. But they they do the things that are neat. They're the neato bits, mm-hmm. right? So I'm like, okay, so yeah, we want to convince these superheroes that they're not superheroes because we're scared of having a world in which there are superheroes. Fine. That's 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 real watchman shit. I get it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. I like that. I like the idea of um. Sort of wrestling with uh, the sort of way in which you're supposed to end, like Arthur was talking about. You're the way you're supposed to end a big, scary um, Avengers movie by destroying an entire city and then not doing it and then laying on thickly all those symbolisms of it. I like the idea that this is an origin story in which they kill all the superheroes because the next ones are the ones that matter. I like that. I mean, there's a lot going on here that I find to be just thematically really, really interesting. But then there's the movie, and that's a problem. Yeah, and and so you know that's where I live. It's like I, Sam Jackson's in a coma most of the movie. Uh, Anya Taylor Joy's back from Split and has nothing to do except have a weirdly huge amount of empathy for Kevin. Yeah, which yeah, which I, weird. I don't quite buy. I mean, I, Stockholm syndrome, whatever. But I, I'm, buy, yeah. no, it, it is played as pure real empathy. Yeah, yeah. And, and and that's what's even that's weirder an odd about choice. it. 
And so, you know, it would be more interesting if it was some form of Stockholm. But I'm like, yeah, so as the three characters that are carrying on the mantle, um, the mother of Glass, the the son of David Dunn, and the victim of Kevin Crumb, um, who are carrying this on, she's the one that makes the least sense to even be there in the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, although most superheroic and most interesting of those three characters that I'd like to see more of, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. But that being said, she doesn't... She, I don't understand her motivation to be there at all. I mean, yes, he spared her life, but I don't think that garners any sympathy after, you know, he ate her friends. Well, not really friends, but you know what I'm saying. Yes. Um, so that's – it become, It becomes problematic. It doesn't have the tension. It doesn't have the same sort of suspense. It doesn't have the same sort of interest level for me. And so for that, it's an absolute stinker. Ideologically, I'm all about it. I'm like, let's have that conversation. What does what does heroism mean? What do we do? How do we live? What is you know? Um, what how, how do we reconstruct our mythologies in a way that's more um, constructive for the whole world? I'm all for those kinds of those kinds of conversations. I just wish I had a good movie that did it. And Glass is not that. So there you go, dear listener. Those are our thoughts. Um, we didn't really do it. Um, the trilogy as a whole does it work? Yeah. Weirdly, against uh, against all logic or reason, I think it does. Yeah. I, I think because the themes of, or at least the ideas that are getting spoken to and split of, what does superhero heroism look like in our stories? What is the importance of it? Um, how do we lift each other up? I think that's all really interesting stuff, especially to close out the stories from Unbreakable. I think it's an absolute train wreck and again as arthur said the movie's not that bad it really isn't it's just such a a mishmash of of different threads and there's it is a trilogy made on the fly and Mm -hmm. it shows but i think as a whole i think there's enough interesting stuff there that even when it gets bad for lack of a, a nicer or more articulate way to put it i think even in those moments where it's really dragging there's still something going on there and i i think works as a collection of stories what do you think arthur oh yeah i mean yeah i i'll I'll take emotional response out of it i I think on paper as as dalton mentioned i think the threads are there i I think they do come together well uh and and split kind of being the outlier because when it was released no one really had that in mind right until you see the david dunn cameo but in a rewatch uh, you do pick up on a lot that I do feel like it is very intentional and does connect those dots. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think narratively it does. I think Glass does, in many ways, uphold a lot of the kind of tones and ideas from Unbreakable in a way, uh, relationally to the character of David Dunn, that do tie it all together. And so, I, I mean, I would say on paper, yes, it works as a trilogy. And it does have those pieces there to make it somewhat cohesive. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. It, it, I think what you might say is you might compare it to one of those trilogies where the third member doesn't quite work. You know, and I mean, some people might make that argument about the Matrix. I, I disagree, but I get, I get where they come from. Um, they might make that about the original Star Wars with uh, Return of the Jedi. Again, I might somewhat agree but disagree that this is a very strong middle section, a very good first movie, and then something weird on the third. And so I think it falls into that sort of camp. It is sort of thrown together, though, um, as Dalton said, and I do tend to agree with that. And um, But I, I think the idea of it being satisfying as an end is really important for these kinds of movies to really, really work. And so uh, unlike, say, the Avengers, you know, Marvel, MCU, 
um, 23 episode TV series of movies that it is um, coming to that end and Endgame being so satisfying even though it's ideologically troubling all the way throughout with a few just sort of startling moments uh, where it works a little bit better um, when you have something like this this trilogy from Shyamalan which overall thematically I love everything it's doing everything it's thinking about the questions it's asking are all the right questions and Sometimes most of the answers that it provides are pretty good. That being said, it just does not satisfy on that last ending. And so that's too bad. I, it, it feels like almost the third movie was thrown together a little bit. like A it bit, was... but also Shyamalan apparently mortgaged his house to help finance, uh, to help co-finance class. Uh, um. So, I mean, clearly even if it was kind of a slapdash, he definitely seems to believe in it. Yeah, and I'm I'm just not as keen um, at all, um, and we'll we'll talk more about that. I'm sure when we get into analysis. So I mean, I I I see that it's a trilogy, but is it effective? I think it just it, it flops the landing. It's a really really good floor routine, and then he's on his butt at the end, and uh, that's too bad. It, it's it, it's weird because Unbreakable is so much just the first act of a superhero movie, and for the trilogy as a whole to feel almost like three trilogies of movies like mm -hmm. because so much ground is covered uh past the the initial superhero supervillain meetup fight and you know get to know your your arch nemesis they get to the end of that arch nemesis relationship in one film and uh for them to die together at the hands of a more nefarious villain is interesting mm -hmm. it's just interesting yeah it's it's a weird call and i'm kind of there for it in, yeah. in some ways so, well, there you go, dear listener. Those are our thoughts on all three of these movies of the uh, Shyamalan Superhero Trilogy or the, what, Ice-177? East Rail-177. East Rail, there you go. Uh, all things considered, I'd rather be in Philadelphia. Um, and so, there you go. Uh, we have done that. I guess it's now time to expand the syllabus. Well, it would normally be time to expand the syllabus, but uh, we're going to go ahead and take a break there. Uh, we, we're at close to the hour mark, so... Bye. We'll see you next week. We're going to expand the syllabus. We're going to do full analysis, do the things that you expect from this show. This uh, show is not unbreakable. We're going to split it here. Yes, indeed. We have forced our hand, and Dustin does have to come back for one more. Yeah. So uh, I guess what we'll say now is if you want to get more of the show, if you want to know exactly when this episode is going to drop, part two of this is going to drop, you can just subscribe to whatever feed you get this in, whether that's iTunes or Stitcher it. Wherever we're at, the most podcatchers, yes, yeah, just subscribe and you'll get uh, that new episode next week. Uh, you can also follow the Good Trash Genre Cast and Good Trash Media as a whole at Twitter at Good underscore Trash. You can just go to the website GoodTrashMedia.com. if you want to hear that Patreon content we alluded to, where we talked about our favorite Shyamalan films and just kind of talked about him as a filmmaker. Uh, you can run over to patreon.com forward slash GTM for more info on uh, helping us keep the lights on. So there you go, dear listener. You keep watching. We'll keep talking in this very moment, but it'll take a week for you to hear it, and we'll see you all next time.